Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and you can also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. If streaming is your thing, you can also find us on any streaming platform. So just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Today, we are excited to welcome Canadian country artist, Nicole Ray. Now, ever since she can remember, Nicole has had a love of performing, whether it was dance or musical theater or just singing in her Spice Girls microphone that she received as a gift as a youngster, she was all in. After one year of university, she dropped out to chase a career in country music and since then, she has been doing everything she can as an independent artist to grow this career. So please enjoy our conversation with Nicole Ray. It feels like recently, at least with the last three, three or four singles that they're building every time. There's more listens, there's more downloads, there's more traction with the songs. Have you felt that yourself as well? Absolutely. And I was so worried, obviously, being in a pandemic for the last two years that the momentum that I kind of had started right before that, I was kind of worried it was all going to die during these last two years. And I'm just so grateful that I can kind of keep this momentum up during this time. I think part of it is my stubbornness. I just, you know, didn't want all the hard work to go to waste and, and sit around at home doing nothing. So I've just been figuring out new ways to reach people with my music. And, and I'm so glad that that's, you know, continuing that momentum is growing. Looking at everything you're doing, I, it kind of feels like, I don't know, you probably know Dan Davidson. He's an Alberta artist. And it feels like you two are one and the same, just with your entrepreneurial drive that you have to continually push yourselves forward without needing the help of a huge team. And so for you, where does that come from? That drive to push yourself forward? Oh my goodness. Again, a little bit my stubbornness. It's like when I start something, then, you know, I just have to keep at it. I'm, I'm really bad at just giving up, um, which I think is a good quality and, and helps with music for sure. Um, but also it's been inspired by people that I have worked with in the past. Of course, um, my manager, my first manager, Janice Startup, who's no longer with us, she had that drive and she was always you know, pushing me forward to think of creative new things and come up with ideas and, and, you know, ways to be myself and put my music out there. And, and since she passed, I feel like she really instilled that in me. And now I just, I have this constant drive to, you know, figure out new ways to do things and, and stay creative. And I'm bad at standing still. I always got to be doing something. (laughs) And now Janice, she is someone I wanted to talk about because she had a huge influence at the beginning of your career career. And so talk about that journey with her and how you first connected with her and just really what she meant for that beginning of your career. 
Oh my goodness. Where do I start? Yeah. She was really everything to me in the beginning. I, I was lucky to work with Anya Wilson, who is a wonderful radio tracker very early on in my career. Um, she kind of took me under her wing and was sort of like my music mentor and mom. And she actually introduced me to Janice. So Janice was also working with Petrick, another wonderful group from Winnipeg. And they were, we were all on a, a trip to Nashville together. And so I was introduced to Janice at the time and we just instantly hit it off. And I was so excited that she was so excited about my music, because I think that's sometimes hard to find is somebody who wants to be on the team. That's as enthusiastic about everything that you're doing and everything that you want to do. And so it was so great to just have that friendship and have somebody that was really in my corner. And like I said, she was such a go-getter. She, she was bad at standing still too. I mean, we would talk on the phone for hours and make plans. She was always, you know, emailing, doing things, going out, making connections. And so she really gave a lot to me in the beginning of my career. I mean, she was with me through the creation of my second album, Dig, and, you know, making a lot of connections, doing new shows, connecting with new people, things I had never done, um, you know, until that point in my career. So she was definitely instrumental in making a lot happen. And I miss her every day. I'm actually sitting in my office right now. I have a picture of her just to the left of me. And oh, that's uh, awesome. I still talk to her and tell her about the plans. I'm like, this is what we're doing now. And just to update you. So I feel like she's still kind of with me on the journey. <laughs> that's great. And you mentioned Anya as well. Now she works with independent artists in Canada to get them on the radio. I believe every single that you have released has gone to country radio, has it not? Pretty much. Um, for a couple of tunes, I've done, you know, a smaller radio campaign where I sort of targeted um, just going out to CBC because they're great supporters of my music or secondary stations that have been really supportive of me instead of doing a wide stream um, campaign. But pretty much, yeah, every song we've done at least some a little bit of radio. <laughs> wow. And so how important has that been? Because as an independent artist, I don't know if a lot of people think about getting on the radio or think they can get on the radio as an independent artist. So what was it for you that allowed you to see that path, even though you're not with a label or you don't have anyone big like that to push out your songs? Well, it's changed a lot over time. In the beginning, there were, like I hate to say it, but a lot more spaces for independent artists on the radio. And so when I first connected with Anya, it was like, this is just kind of a dream of mine. I just started making music. It's like, you know, who knows? It's probably not going to get played, whatever. But of course, she was a huge help. And and yeah, there are just so many stations at the time were giving artists a chance and so I was really lucky to have my very first song picked up and still one of my like more popular songs at radio um since then so it's funny how that happens but there's also a lot of secondary stations that give support to independent artists now and a lot of programs that are helping independent artists be heard. As I mentioned, CBC has been huge at supporting my music since the beginning and I think it's just great to have those outlets, you know, even when it does feel a little trickier as somebody who doesn't have a label and you feel, you know, you're not going to get that top 10 hit at primary radio, but to have an outlet like CBC give me support and find an audience for my music is just so amazing. And when you see artists like Tyler Joe Miller, like Jade Eagleson, who have been able to get number ones, 
without any label support. And I think Anya is a big part of their journey as well to getting those. How does that drive you forward in knowing that it is possible? Yeah, it keeps the hope alive. And, you know, some days are harder than others. Some days it's like, oh, throw in the towel. You know, we've tried 20 singles to radio. Like, why am I knocking my head against this wall? But at the same time, seeing artists like that break through, it just gives me hope that once the right song comes along for me that connects at radio, that something like that can happen for my career as well. Right. And as far as your journey goes, let's go back to the beginnings of music for you. Now, let's talk about your dad first, because I saw your single release party for Unfinished. You had a photo and your dad was up on stage singing with you. So was he a musical person growing up? Is he someone who sort of inspired you musically when you were young? So it's funny because nobody in my family is super musical. Nobody is an artist. Nobody like formally plays an instrument or, you know, is out there chasing a music career. But my dad is one of those people that he's like the jack of all trades. Like he's just one of those guys where he can pick up anything and he just like knows how to do it, which <laughs> is frustrating, but amazing at the same time. And so yeah, he's a very creative person. I mean, he does a lot of woodworking and things like that now, but yeah, he has that musical side still, even though he's not like technically a musical person. But, um, you know, I've written a couple of tunes with him. Actually, one of my tunes off my first um, EP I wrote with my dad. Okay. And so, yeah, he just like loves getting into the creative side of things. And he's always wanting to write with me more or, or get up on stage and just have fun and be part of the band. And so I, I love that side of him and, and being able to share that with him. That's awesome. And early on, I saw in the all women video, there was clips of you growing up and your different artistic ventures. And the earliest one was you sitting on the kitchen floor banging on pots and pans. And so the performance side of music, is that something you gravitated towards for as long as you can remember? Yes. It, it feels like it's always been in me. I don't remember not wanting to perform. My mom kind of always makes these jokes about me growing up and how I used to, to sing and dance before I could talk. I just would put on these performances as a baby. And yeah, there's just something about performing that I just love. It, it, it feels at home for me to just get up on the stage and be able to share creativity in that way. And yeah, as a kid, I did so much performing, whether it was like around the house and forcing my parents to like sit on the couch and see a performance. Um, or, you know, outside of that as well, I was very into musical theater and things like that in school and just always wanting to be part of that uh, performing scene. That's awesome. And we do have to talk about one of the most important gifts, maybe, I think that you would have received it was the Spice Girls sing-along FM wireless microphone. Tell yes. me about that. And as funny yes. as it sort of is now to think a Spice Girls microphone, talk about what that meant for you at that age and just being able to feel like you were a professional doing this. 
Yes, absolutely. I think that was the feeling. I mean, I remember just growing up listening to Spice Girls and being in the back of the car and like driving my parents crazy, singing the songs over and over and over. And yeah, I wanted a microphone of my own so bad. And and to get that as a gift was just like, oh, this is a stepping stone, you know, on on my career as a singer. And, And yeah, you know, funny to think about that now, but it was something I always wanted. And after that, it was like, then I want the karaoke machine, then the piano, then the real microphone. And so that was really just step one. (laughs) (laughs) And is it still kicking around? Do your parents like still have it? You know what? I should ask my mom. She, she does have a lot of things still in her basement from my childhood. Although now that I live in a house, they're slowly all making their way over to my house. So (laughs) that might come over in a box at some point. (laughs) That's awesome. And with your parents, I saw the clips in that music video that growing up, you were into dance, you mentioned musical theater. And so along the way, have they always been supportive of your artistic endeavors that you've had? Yes, they, they're the most wonderful parents. They've always supported me on my journey. I mean, they've made their jokes. My dad wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer at one point, just, you know, because <laughs> he wanted me to be able to take care of myself. But they have been nothing but supportive, even, you know, when I went to them and I'm like, I'm dropping out of university to pursue music full time. <laughs> and luckily they they have my back and, and they continue to, to this day. My mom is really like my manager as well. We, we talk every day about plans and figuring out things going forward in my career and they come out to all of my shows. So yeah, they're, they're really the best. And dropping out of university, let's talk about that time within your life. And when you got to that point, well, when you started university, did you have the dream of music within you? And was there part of you that went to university to fulfill your parents' needs? Absolutely. And I think it was just one of those things where you grow up and and you see things as what you're supposed to do. And so, you know, I never really loved school because I was always more of a creative person and wanted to be, you know, not doing math homework and be writing a song instead. (laughs) Right. but it, like the perfectionist in me was like, no, I got to go to school and get good grades. I got to graduate and go to university. Like this is everything that I'm supposed to do in my life. And then once I got there, I just realized I couldn't do it. I, I had this drive to, to pursue music and I just felt if I didn't do it then, then I maybe never would. And so it was just like, you know what? no. I tried school, but now I got to drop out and do what I want to (laughs) do. And so when you dropped out, did you have an idea of the path you were going to take? Did you know what it meant to be a professional musician? Did you know anyone who could guide you? Or were you just going in blind with this love of music, knowing that's what you wanted to do? A little bit of both. So before I had dropped out of university, I made this god awful homemade music video of one of my songs which if that ever surfaces or finds the light of day i'll be super embarrassed but (laughs) um i made this video and my dad was showing it to people that he worked with of course like people (laughs) in the office watching this embarrassing video that's awesome 
<laughs> but luckily somebody that he worked with, um, one of his best friends owned a studio and he was like, well, why don't I connect Nicole with this studio and, and see if they can help her. And so I met Carmen, who was the owner at Cherry Beach Studios in Toronto. And I went there and I was like, yeah, I want to be a singer. Like here are the songs I have. I didn't really know anything about the business or have a clue what I was doing. And he kind of took me under his wing and he brought in a vocal coach and a producer and all these people to help me make my first album. And he actually reached out to Anya, which was how I got connected to her. So I was really lucky to have that situation sort of line up for me in the beginning because yeah, I really had no idea what I was doing and, and didn't for quite some time until you know you get farther along and realize oh this is a business I can't just out here be like oh I just want to sing and it's all going to work out right and so what point was that when did you realize that this is a business and I have to focus on it as a business I think after my first album, I mean, creating that was so much fun, but I was still very much in the, this is just a dream and this is fun stage. And once I got to my second album and, and working with Janice, it transformed the way that I thought about the business. And I really figured out that I had to kind of buckle down and learn this side of it too, if I wanted to be successful. And to this day, that's such a big chunk of my, my learning and what I do in practicing to, to be a singer every single day. I mean, there's a lot of training and vocal lessons and writing and things that go into it every day as well, but there's so much on the business side and always learning, you know, social media and things like that. That's just so important. And how difficult is it as an independent artist, as someone who has to know about all those different areas of the business, how overwhelming is it sometimes to be dealing with all of that? Very. I mean, yeah, we all wear a lot of hats as independent artists trying to you know, get everything done, all the tasks in the day and, and also do the creative aspect of our job as well. And yeah, at, at one point I felt like I had a handle on it, but I feel like lately more and more, I'm just, you know, having a breakdown about every other day. Cause I'm like, there's too much to do. I can't get it all done in one day. And, and, you know, sometimes things have to go by the wayside, but, I, but I try my best to, to wear all the hats and get everything done as much as I can by myself every day. Right. And how important is it to keep it in perspective and know that the business side is important for helping drive you forward, but you can't let that overtake the creative side, because if you're not creating music, then there's nothing to do in the business. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that is such a balancing act. That's something that I've struggled with because it's so easy to get caught up down that road of, oh, here are all these tasks I need to do, you know, wearing the business hat today. But you're right. There'd be nothing to promote if you don't stay creative and keep writing music. So yeah, a lot of times I'm like, okay, I have to pull myself out from over here and go back over here and just enjoy being creative and making music. <laughs> right. And now with your singles, it feels like you have over your career sort of released a single almost every six months is what the sort of timeline looks like. Now, is there a method to that madness or has it just worked out that that you've been able to sort of release constant singles to keep the momentum going? I think there's definitely some method or some, yeah, some method to that. I mean, it's, 
I just, I think it's about staying relevant as an artist. I mean, part of it is fear. Like, oh, if I don't put out another song, then like what I did before is going to be forgotten and I got to keep going on this train. Um, but, you know, it's also, I want to be putting out new music for my fans, you know, as often as I can. It's great to have these people who are, you know, on board with what I'm doing and enjoy the music that I'm putting out. And I want to be able to keep that momentum going for them so that they, you know, get new music from me and, and aren't waiting around for too long. <laughs> and now with your second album, Dig, you moved into Noble Street Studios with your production and started working with, was it Douglas Romano? Yes. Yeah. Doug Romano. Yeah. Oh, okay. Romano. Okay. And so what has that relationship been like, especially in those early stages when you're learning the production side of things and, and learning how to record. How important was that relationship for you? Very, very important. I, I still remember I met Doug at an event for the Country Music Awards of Ontario. And he kind of came up to me at the reception after and was like, oh, you know, nice to meet you. I've heard some of your music or whatever. And I'd love to work with you. And I'm like, what? It, like, who knows about me? Oh, right. <laughs> like, how is this human coming up to me and talking to me about my music right now? And I mean, obviously it's his job as a producer to, to see what's going on in the industry and reach out to artists. But it was just crazy to me at the time that this guy had come up to me and wanted to chat. And, and Doug is just a dear friend to this day. And, and we still work together on things. And it, he was so great. He really did take me under his wing too at the beginning when I was still so new to, to being in the studio and into writing still to co-writing a lot of the things on my first album I just wrote by myself. Right. And so at this stage of the game, it was like, oh, I need to get co-writing and, and working with other people. So he even took me to Nashville and, and introduced me to all these people. And we co-wrote a lot of the tracks for the album together with all these connections that he had. Um, so, yeah, none of that would have been possible without him. And that time in Nashville, what is that like for you to go down there and be writing there? What sort of feelings does that give you when you're down there working within the craziness that is Nashville? It certainly gives you like a kick in the butt sometimes to realize where you stand in this, like you're a tiny little dot in this big circle of creative people. Right. Um, but at the same time, it really pushes you to be better and to write better music and to write you know, more creatively with these people who are doing it every day and, and, you know, are welcoming you into their creative space. And, and so it's good. I think it really motivates you to, to make better music and, and connect with these people who are writing on a higher level. And do you ever see a time moving down there full time to pursue this? I've thought about it many, many times. And earlier in my career, I, I definitely thought of it as a possibility. Um, I don't rule anything out, but you know, now being later on in life, it's like I have a house here and a situation here and my family's here. It would be hard, um, you know, harder than when I was younger to just pick up and go. Um, but now that things are opening back up again, I'm definitely going to make myself more available to be there more often. I'm actually uh, headed there this month so I'm excited oh, okay. to get back to the scene and at least travel back and forth a lot more um to be able to you know reconnect with people in Nashville and do more writing there 
Right. And now you mentioned the CCMA Ontario Awards, and you've also been to the CCMAs. And that country community in Nashville, you have one city basically where the community is. In Canada, we don't have that. Artists are kind of spread out across (laughs) the country. And so what is that like to be a part of the community, but not have a central hub, but just sort of have these events where you get to connect with other artists? And you're right. I think that's the appeal of Nashville, right? Like it's so great to have everybody in one place. And here, you know, across Canada, we're so widespread. I mean, even in Ontario, you can be in Toronto and have somebody who's in Thunder Bay and we're so far away from each other. So right. it's difficult. I think it makes it special going to those events. Like I think we all look forward to it so much because it's like a little family reunion and your chance to, to hang out with everybody in person. But it does make it harder that we can't see each other all the time or just, you know, pick up the phone and be like, hey, want to write down the street, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> um, but Luckily, a lot of us have made use of Zoom writing during the pandemic. And I think that's something that will keep up now that we've realized how connected we can be, even though we can't be in the same place. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And with the space that divides us in Canada, now you are out on in Ontario, but for your more recent music, you have actually traveled out to Vancouver to work at Armory Studios. How did that come about? And going all the way out there to produce your music? Yeah, so um, I started working with a new manager, um, Jordan Elliott, and she connected me with Brian House, who is the producer that I've been working with in BC. And yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind at the beginning. It was like, here's this a new artist that I want to connect you with. And Nicole, do you want to go out here to work with Brian in BC? And the first time I went there, like they were just like, okay, you're going to go on this three day trip and you're going to go meet Brian and you're going to write songs and record them all in three days. And I was like, what? That's not possible. I've (laughs) never been in that kind of recording situation before because I've always, you know, done the writing and then chosen the songs and gone into the studio. And so this was such a whirlwind experience meeting Brian, but I loved it and have kind of continued to do that with Brian since then. Everything that we've recorded has been like, oh, we wrote it and now we're in the studio making this music. Um, but I think it it brings out another side of me as an artist and something different that, you know, I haven't gotten while I was making some of my past albums. And so it's been really, really cool working with Brian and, and going out to Armory Studio. First of all, that studio is so beautiful. So yeah. if anyone is in DC looking for a place to record music, please go there. It's amazing. <laughs> and how important is it for you to push yourself as an artist, especially in a situation like that, where you're pushing, I mean, the first time it happened, I imagine you're pushing yourself way out of your comfort zone to write and record so quickly. And so how important throughout this career is it to push yourself and to grow as an artist in that way? So important. It's so scary because we all, you know, get comfortable in our little space and our little boxes. And, but then, you know, I think as an artist, you're, then you're always going to be making the same kind of music if you just stay in your zone. And so for me, it's, even though I'm scared to kind of push myself outside of the box, sometimes I feel it's so important because it really does always bring those results of something better and something bigger than what I've done before. Right. And now, Talking about pushing yourself, I wanted to talk about the mental side 
of this career? Because that is something that you have had periods of struggling with in your life. And so within that, and being a country musician where you're basically constantly being judged, whether it's your looks, whether it's your music, there's always judgment. And so how have you been able to navigate that within the last few years? Oh my gosh. Sometimes I think I'm crazy for having jumped into this career because I'm a very sensitive person and I always have been. And it's like, great. Yeah. I chose a career where everybody's making judgments about me every day and I just have to be okay with that. And, you know, sometimes it, it is really hard. I mean, I, I've learned over the years, different ways to just block things out. Or sometimes, you know, it's like, you need to stay off social media. You need to not read those comments. You need to put somebody on mute if they're not servicing your mental health. And, and so there's a lot of little things like that, that I've learned to do, but it's, it is tough. And, and I think in the pandemic too, in the last couple of years, it's been even more tough sort of being at home, stuck with your thoughts all the time. And the only way to connect with people is through social media and hearing some of that, the negativity or rejection. And, and that's, you know, has not been easy, but I luckily, as I said, have a very supportive system. You know, my parents, as I mentioned before, I I do talk to my mom a lot about my career. And so she's like the pep talker, like I'll call her up and be like, I don't understand, you know, why this is happening to me or why the radio doesn't like the song or why people, you know, I'm not getting the feedback that I want. And, and she usually helps put things into perspective a little bit. So I'm, I'm lucky to have that. And I know you're not shy about talking about your struggles on social media in an effort to help others. And I saw a time in your life where Friends, the TV show, was a big part for you because of just how it connected with you and allowed you to feel not alone during a time where you did feel alone. So I just wanted to talk to you about that time and sort of how you overcame those struggles. Yeah, Yeah, it was at a very dark time. I mean, I've always loved that show, but it definitely kind of was like my friend when I felt like I was alone. It was like I'd put on the TV and these people are all hanging out. And it's like you kind of feel like you're hanging out with them. And it's like, so I have friends here just hanging out and making me laugh. Of course, the show is so funny. So I think it it pulls you out of your own head, which is what I need. And I think a lot of people need sometimes when we're struggling, it's like you're in this place where you're so laser focused on the negativity of what's going on, whatever the situation is, you know, whether it's career struggles or a breakup or anything that's going on in your life. And I was very laser focused on that negativity. And it was like, this is something to bring me out of that and to just, you know, put me in a better mood and and put things into perspective too. Sometimes it's, you know, you go down a dark hole in your head and then you watch somebody making jokes on TV and you're like, you know what? Things aren't really that bad in my world. You know, it's not as, (laughs) as dire as I was making it out to be inside my mind. And so it's, it's nice to have those little outlets, something like as simple as watching friends to to bring you back to reality and and remind you what's important. Right. And now I think fireproof sort of was the point where you sort of dug into that message that you're good enough. You can go on. And so that song that was in 2017, I believe, was that a 
big turning point for you in your career with that release? Absolutely. That was like my first song that I put out on streaming platforms that got over a hundred thousand streams. That was my first time that ever happened. And it, you know, took off in ways that I never thought possible. And that really was like a big turning point for my career and things sort of taking a momentum shift and sort of going to the next level as an artist and being recognized for more things. And so that was really, really an important song. And, and as you said, the, the messaging of the song was so important too. And I think that had something to do with why it, it resonated with people so much was just that I was trying to get that message out there of, of self-empowerment. Yeah. And that self-empowerment, especially towards females, that is something you have really grabbed onto, especially in the past two years. Talk about the importance of that and just offering that support and doing what you can to support others really on a broad level, because you've started a music festival focused on female artists, and you have a bunch of initiatives that you've created over the past couple of years to help support this. Yes, thank you. Um, it's just, it's so important. This industry makes us feel alone a lot of the times. And it, and it's, you know, it's a business, so it is a competition in a way. There's only room for so many people, but that's also not true. I think in a creative space, there's a, a way for all of us to be successful and to do our own thing and be successful at it. And particularly for women, this industry really makes us feel like we got to, you know, knock the other girl out in order for us to make it to the top. And I found myself believing that at some point, and that felt so dangerous you know, I didn't really want to be a woman in the community who felt like I was putting other women down in order to get where I wanted to go with my career. And so that was a big part of why I started it. I really wanted to start a community for females to come together and realize that, you know, we can have each other's back and one of us succeeding is a success for all of us. And yeah, so I wanted to start my all woman music platform, which is like an online show that I host. I also host it in person at the Moonshine Cafe in Oakville okay. and uh, my my music festival and all these things to just bring this community together and to show the industry, too, that there are so many amazing, talented females out there. And, you know, there should be more room for some of us at the top. You know, I continually see festival lineups and it's like man 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 one woman and it, I just don't understand because there's so many talented females out there so it was kind of like if you can't join them then beat them and we'll just start our own community and show you know the country music fans out there how amazing all these ladies are and and how much they're missing out on all this music <laughs> it seems we hear messages sort of from the outside looking in, we're being fed messages that country radio is supporting females more. The music industry is supporting females more. Now from the inside looking out, do you see that? Or is there still a long way to go within that? Uh, there's been changes, but there's still a long way to go. For me, it's that the conversation is happening. So that's great for me. It's nice to know that these things are of concern that we're talking about it now that we've brought it up, but I don't think there's enough action yet. I think it's a lot of talk, no action. So I'm hoping that the talk 
is leading somewhere and that we will see more initiatives from radio, from festivals and things like that in the years to come. And those things you've created, the series and then the festival, how important has that been for your mental health and having something else to focus on other than just your music? It's been wonderful. I mean, sometimes it's crazy because I'm like, oh my God, I have 17,000 things to juggle. I don't know how I'm doing all of this. Right. Um, but it has been truly wonderful. It's like I said, I'm bad at sitting still. So it's been good to have other outlets and things to focus on. And, and it's just been great because I really have found my community. I've met so many wonderful female artists by having them on the show or the festival. And, and so now I really feel like we have a support system for each other too. And, and that's just been so great for mental health. It's like, now I have all these women and I can just pick up the phone and be like, I'm having a bad day about the industry. Like let's chat. (laughs) That's awesome. And your newest single with your music is house of cards. Now this is a powerful song. You've really come out of the gate swinging with this one. It's, it's extremely, powerful, not only in the lyrics, but also the vocals and musically. And so where did the energy come from for this song? Because it feels like it's really a, a more powerful song than we've heard from you in the past, maybe. Yeah. So it's something that I've always wanted to do, but just struggled for how to write that type of song. I mean, even as a performer, I perform a lot of those like rock kind of songs in my live show. You know, a lot of those like belter out, I'm like rolling around the stage singing kind of songs. (laughs) And I just wanted that within my own music, but I always struggled with how to, you know, make that connection. And so I wrote this with Brian, my producer, and a wonderful writer from Nashville. Her name's Kat Gravit. Um, she's written like tons of number ones for some amazing artists, including Kelly Clarkson, who's my oh, idol. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she really, you know, helped me bring out that attitude. Um, it was a write over Zoom. And I, so I had never met her in person, but we kind of just immediately connected over over the screen and I could tell that we both sort of had this strong female energy and and so she was able to help me take that and and put it into the song and now in the studio with how powerful this song is what was it like recording the vocals for it was it a different experience than you've had with any other song it was funny because I was so confident about it because I had been practicing it with my vocal coach for a little while before I got into the studio, which as I was saying with some of the other stuff I recorded with Brian, there was no time for that. It was like the song's written, then we're here. So I was feeling a little more confident actually, because I was like, okay, I've worked on it. Like I love singing it. And then it was actually so much harder than I thought. We just weren't getting it right away. And then we had recorded another song this, the same day as well. And so I started to lose my voice at the oh, end wow. of the recording. And I was like, no, now this is not going to turn out, you know, how I like it at all. But then Brian was kind of just saying, lean into that, lean into that, you know, just like use that loss of voice for, for power and, and get some of that, you know, tone raspy tone in there. (laughs) And so it ended up working out. And it's funny because even like listening back to it now, I can hear places where I was sort of losing my voice, but it does sort of lend itself really well to the song. 
That's awesome. And so now that you have that song out in the world, is that sort of a direction that you could see yourself moving with some of your other music now that you've been able to write one like this and produce it and know that feeling? Is it something that you're more comfortable with now moving forward? Yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, because I do have a couple things in the works that I feel like are along those lines. And so I'm excited to sort of continue down that path, but it's still sort of a struggle. And I think it's because it's marrying the sort of rock edge with also having songs that are fun. That's still like a disconnect for me because right. I've been working on trying to, you know, put out my next single, which will hopefully be more of like a summer song. And it's like, how do I marry like rock angry with this is a good time song? And it seems like they don't go together. Right. So I think, you know, there'll still be a sprinkle of like more of the pop country things for me as well, especially for something like a summer tune. Um, but then we will definitely have more of that that rock angry country as well coming in the future <laughs> and where is your music headed you talk about a new single maybe soon and then what are the plans are there plans for an ep or an album moving forward yeah i already have four singles right now that are sitting without a home they don't aren't on a project yet and oh, okay. uh, with a couple more in the works, I already have one that I'm working on with Doug Romano and uh, and a couple more that I'm headed into the studio to do soon. So all of those, between all of those, I think we got about eight tunes maybe. So there's definitely, definitely going to be an album in the works. Hopefully by the end of the year, maybe we'll just put out some more singles and then put out the album at the top of next year. I, uh, I'm also, I put out Christmas music last year and I'm doing a couple more Christmas tunes this year. So oh, okay. there's a lot, there's a lot in the works. <laughs> and you have the video for House of Cards, and it does get a little steamy in the video, but I believe that, is that your fiance that is yes. acting with you in there? <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky that he's an actor because um, I can hire him to be in all these videos, which is great, um, especially for something like House of Cards. I feel like it would have been a little more awkward had I had to hire somebody to like fill this position. Um, so yeah, I'm really lucky that I get to, to hire my fiance to be in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And so when you look back on this career that you've had so far and you still have so much career left, but I mean, it's sometimes a struggle to look back and see where you've come from and see the success that you've had because there is so much focus on, I want this, I want that, I need this success, but are you able to look back and, and see the success you've had and see the difference your music is making and see the positivity that you've been able to have within this career? I think I've struggled with it a lot in past years. Like you said, it's so easy to get caught up in the what's next. And once you have some form of success, it's like, okay, that's great. But now I need something bigger than this, you know, exactly like, cool anymore. Um, but especially that this year is 10 years for me in the music industry. I've done a lot of reflecting in the last year and, and, couple years actually in just everything that's happened and and being grateful for everything that I've had in this career I was just saying um the other day that I think you know god forbid I had to stop doing this tomorrow 
I just would be so thankful for this entire journey that I've had. I mean, I've just had some really, truly amazing moments and being able to make an impact with my music has always been the biggest goal. And, and seeing that happen has just been crazy. So I, of course, am still striving for so much ahead, but I'm very, very grateful for everything that I've gone through in this entire journey. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Nicole for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new single, House of Cards, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. If streaming is your thing, of course, you can find us on any streaming platform as well. So just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.